Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 9, or you can go to version as the video indicated. For the last few years, we have been in and out of the book of Mark, going through it verse by verse. Then we'll do other series, and then we'll come back to Mark. So I did Mark chapter 8, probably back in March and early April. And today we'll start back in Mark chapter 9 and let the scripture speak to us. Mark chapter 9 is a transition chapter. The book of Mark up to this point has been fast-paced and Jesus is, is healing the sick and casting out demons and doing incredible feats. In chapter 9 and chapter 10, he has a period where he teaches his disciples. In fact, in those two chapters, they call him teacher or rabbi about six times because he is teaching them. So it's going to help us a whole lot as we look at some of these scriptures and allow God to teach us once again. I can't believe it's been 20 years since I went on a backpacking trip, a seven night backpacking trip. It was actually with my Young Life team out in Colorado. And on this trip, I was having completely new experiences. I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I was a city kid. I didn't know anything about camping, don't know much about camping now. But on this particular trip, I had a a guide who uh, helped us do all the necessary things to have a successful trip. And the seven days I spent out in the wilderness of Colorado really impacted my life. Towards the end of this trip, uh, we had really been pushed physically, been sleeping in tents, uh, hiking all day long, We came to a point in the trip where the guy told us this. He said, for the next hour and a half to two hours, it's going to be the most difficult part of the trip. We're going to have an uphill hike, but we have the opportunity to go to the highest peak that you will be at on this particular trip and one of the highest peaks in Colorado. So I was already tired, and the thought of having the hardest hike before me for the next two hours was not appealing. And then I had with me uh, another uh, teammate of mine, classmate of mine, who was a really large guy, much larger than me at the time. And uh, he, he said, Aaron, listen, stay back with me. I, I, I can't make it. I can't make it to the top. Why don't you just stay with me? And there's no need for you to go to the top. We can just hang out. Can I tell you, that was very, very appealing. I mean, it was, he almost had me convinced. I mean, he he almost had me convinced just to let the rest of the group go and I would stay with him. But I I reasoned this could be the last chance I can go this high. And 20 years later, it has been the last chance. I've never been this close to the peak of of a, a legitimate mountain before. So I went ahead and I made that hike to the top and it was hard and it was difficult And during those two hours, I regretted it often as my legs felt like they were going to collapse. But when I got to the top, it was a significant accomplishment because there at the top, I saw a view I never have seen since. I had a perspective I never had. I had a sense of accomplishment that with my team, we, we had reached the pinnacle And it was at that place that I'll show you proof that I made it. Now, this isn't great proof. You put that picture up. This is actually proof that we need new projectors. But, and that will happen the next six weeks. But at least you can kind of see a mountain and there's some men. And if you can see clearly, there's this 
guy in an orange toboggan who's just really good looking and, and just, it would amaze you if you could see it clearly. But, but this is, this is kind of the picture and I'll try to put on my blog this week so you can kind of see it of, of a, a very meaningful experience for me. And so today the title of message is this mountain climbing with Jesus, mountain climbing with Jesus. And I want you to see in the scripture, a time that Jesus took some of his friends to the top of the mountain. In Mark chapter nine, starting with verse two, let's, let's read the narrative together. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them upon a high mountain by themselves to be alone. And he was transformed in front of them and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses. Now, in case you don't remember, Elijah and Moses had been dead a long time. This was not just some guys named Elijah and Moses. This was the Elijah and the Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, or essentially three tents. Let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he did not know what he should say since they were terrified. A cloud appeared, overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son, listen to him. Then suddenly, Looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. When I was in seventh grade and I was living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, my junior high football coach, who was a Christian, took me and a group from our school to a camp called Falls Creek, which is just south of Oklahoma City. In this camp, there was nothing remarkable about it physically. In fact, it was a lot of cement and a lot of metal buildings that made this campground. On top of that, here in the, the late 80s as it was, uh, they thought it was a good idea for boys and girls not to wear shorts and the 95 plus degree Oklahoma weather with the uh, most intense humidity you've ever been in. So we wore jeans and that was not really um, suitable conditions for a child to have a positive attitude to receive the gospel. But we wore jeans and um, the only highlight of the week was the swimming pool. But even then in seventh grade, uh, the boys swam separate from the girls, which as a seventh grader, I thought was a horrible idea. As a parent of an eighth grader, I think it's a fantastic idea now. So this camp was exactly what you imagine. I mean, we, we stayed in this one cabin, concrete floors, old metal bunk beds, nothing appealing about it in the natural, behind its times, even back then. But it was at that camp, and it was at that week that I and my friends had an experience with God that changed my life forever. Felt very similar to what Matt was telling you about just a few minutes ago. And I was at 
the campgrounds at Whispering Pines. Last weekend, I was able to speak one of the services and that campground and that service and the, the community among the students reminded me of what I experienced in Oklahoma years ago. And that was, that was an incredible experience for me. Even though the campground wasn't physically special and we didn't have good food, unlike what Sherry and Charlie provided for our kids, we, we had terrible food, ridiculous rules, unappealing physical surroundings. But because of what God did in my life, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave that at all. It's kind of like some stuff Tim and I experienced. Tim was in our youth group in the 90s here in Nashville. And we had some experiences like that where we, we just experienced God in an incredible way. And you want to stay there. And you want to stay there. And I equate that campground in Oklahoma City to my mountaintop. And I want you to ask yourself a question. What is your mountaintop? Or what has been a mountaintop for you? And it could be different for a lot of us. While we're on the subject of retreats, as adults, a lot of you have been through something called Trace Diaz or the walk on Emmaus, some type of women's retreat or men's retreat where you're at that retreat. And man, living for God is easy. I mean, living for God is good. I mean, God uses uh, this mountaintop experience in your life and it's special. Maybe it's not a weekend retreat, but maybe uh, it's the person. There's a particular pastor that was in your life, or there was a particular mentor, a, a praying grandmother, or a friend of yours in college that when you're around that friend, or when you, when you spend time with that praying grandmother, or when you're under the ministry of that particular pastor, you just feel close to God. I mean, you, you feel connected to him. Maybe for you, it's a, another church Maybe it's a church in another state or a church in another area. And typically, uh, the church that we come to faith in or we get filled with the Holy Spirit or a church where we are discipled, uh, when, when we, we have a place like that, there's no other church that compares to that church because there's just something special about a church where we had that type of experience. And maybe that church is like your mountaintop. But think about that. What is your mountaintop? Is your mountaintop your small group? Is your mountaintop your men's group or your women's group or a certain ministry of yours? There is something that God has designed for you. It's something that's special. It's a place where something particular happens. And as you're thinking about that place and you're processing that in your mind, I want to give you a couple of observations as, as we use this story as an analogy for our lives. And here's the first thing is this, is that on the mountaintop, Jesus is revealed. Well, that's not the first one. He is revealed in the second, but he's transformed. Jesus transformed. Jesus is transformed on the mountaintop. That's the first point, if you could put that up. Jesus is transformed on the mountaintop. Here it was in verse two. Let's look at that again. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them upon a high mountain by themselves to be alone. Now look at this word. He was transformed. This is a very specific and very descriptive word. Being transformed means this. What is on the inside comes out. So Jesus was in the flesh, uh, was not impressive at the time. He was considered 
a peasant. He was considered um, just a, a common laborer, the son of a carpenter from a very unprestigious village of Nazareth. We even know prophetically in Isaiah that he wasn't handsome in the world's standards. But on that mountaintop, something happened. What was on the inside of Jesus was transformed in front of them. That word transformed has a very specific meaning. It means that which is on the inside comes out. And Jesus began to show that he was not just a man. He was not just a prophet. He was not just a miracle worker or a great teacher. He was fully man and he was fully God simultaneously. And on the mountain, the glory of God started coming and started manifesting and was, as the scripture shows us, transformed in such a way uh, that Jesus literally, uh, his glory shined through his clothes. And this, was, this was an amazing, amazing a sight that Peter, James, and John were seeing. So we read on, he was transformed in front of them. His clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Verse four, Elijah appeared to them with Moses. Look at this. And they were talking to Jesus. What an incredible sight to physically see Peter physically saw Elijah and Moses who had been dead for hundreds of years having a conversation with the same man they had been following throughout Galilee in his ministry. It would be the equivalent of us, or at least not the equivalent, it helps us imagine this, if we were to see someone we know speaking to George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, and it was actually them. I mean, that's an amazing sight. Jesus is just talking. I mean, he's hanging out with Elijah. He's hanging out with Moses. There was something happening on that mountain. Jesus was being revealed to them. Jesus was being shown to them. Jesus was being seen. And when we go to the mountaintop, one of the things we learned there in the mountaintop is we learned who Jesus is. When I was at that camp in Oklahoma, Jesus became more than my parents' savior. And he became more than a cultural inheritance because I grew up in Texas. And if you grow up in Texas, you're supposed to be a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Church of Christ, one of the three. Uh, you're supposed to be one of those because that's just what you do if you're a Texan. Now, Jesus became more than just someone I inherited culturally. Jesus be became more, I don't want to even be disrespectful, but this is descriptive and helpful. Uh, some kind of spiritual Santa Claus, benevolent Santa Claus, where we look at him as a cultural icon. And, you know, we, we look at the cross as something like a Christmas tree or, or a sleigh of reindeer. No, Jesus became more than that. He became real. He became personal. He was revealed to me. I saw Jesus in a completely new way. Your mountaintop experience, whether it's a small group, whether it's a church, whether it's a retreat, there's something special to you. Uh, a certain preacher who really speaks to you. A certain worship CD, that, that worship CD, just when you put that thing on, you experience God. That is special from God because God has special places and special people and special experiences that revealed Jesus to us. Here's your second point. The second point is this. 
Jesus is revealed on the mountain. This is very close and transformed. They kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Because Jesus is transformed, Jesus is revealed. Let's go back to verse four and let's, let's read about this. Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Wouldn't you guys agree? If, you, if you're on there and you see Jesus like glowing with, with deity and God, and then you see Elijah and Moses. Now, Elijah represented all the prophets who had spoke to God. He was the preeminent prophet. Moses represented the law, the, the man who God spoke the 10 commandments and the Torah to. Here it was Elijah and Moses and Jesus hanging out. And so I agree, I would have said the same thing as Peter said in verse five. Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, on first read, this seems like logical and safe and good, but, but catch what he's saying there. This is good. There's a tent for Elijah and a tent for Moses and a tent for Jesus. They're all on equal ground. In his mind, Peter is thinking, Jesus, you're, you're like Elijah. Jesus, you're like Moses. These are the legends. These are the guys who, who, who brought us the law, who brought us our religion. Uh, th this is the ultimate prophet in Elijah. And Jesus, we're gonna put three tents here because you are right there with them. You're equal with them. Uh, Jesus, we, this is a good thing. We're going to be here. And the reason he said this before we pick on Peter, as we go into verse six, he, he did not know what he should say. And Peter actually would talk a lot because he didn't know what to say. One thing I'm learning is when I don't know what to say, you know what a good thing to do is? Not say anything, right? Yeah, you guys are catching on. And they were terrified. Now look at this, verse seven. Then a cloud appeared. What does a cloud represent? The cloud is the presence of God. Up until the new covenant, when the veil was ripped in the Holy of Holies, we had direct access, which we do now, direct access to God through our hearts. All through the Old Testament, when the presence of God manifested on earth, it was in a cloud. It wasn't the only way, but it was a common way. So a cloud would come, a cloud would come. So right here, three, hey, I have this idea. Let's, let's make three tents. Cloud comes in, cloud comes in. And now you hear a voice came from the cloud. The same voice and the same words that were spoken when Jesus came out of the baptismal waters. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Elijah's was, was great and, and Moses was needed, but they're all pointing to him. Listen to to him. Listen to Jesus. What that means to listen is obey him. Do what he says. Do what Jesus says. So here it is that on the mountain, Jesus transforms. And then on the mountain, Jesus is revealed. And when Jesus is revealed, nothing else matters in comparison. Nothing else matters in comparison when Jesus is revealed. So here it is, now that Jesus is revealed, 
Now that Jesus has been shown, now that Jesus is known, what's the next step here? Well, let's just stay on the mountain. Let's stay on the mountain because we're having this incredible experience with him. No, here's the third thing that I want you to observe is this, is Jesus doesn't let us stay on the mountain. Jesus doesn't let us stay on the mountain. Verse eight says it this way. Suddenly, this is after the voice said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Then suddenly they looked around and didn't see anyone else with them except Jesus alone. Elijah, gone. Moses, gone. Jesus was still there. Jesus was still there. Now, there could be a time in your life that those who meant everything to you on the mountain suddenly disappear. It could be a time when you look up and the people who led you to Christ don't even follow Christ anymore. Or the pastor who taught you morality had a moral fall. Or, or the group of people that you thought, that you experienced God with and you thought, wow, I'm having community with these people and we're all just gonna walk together with the Lord, that community dissipates. Or a job transfer takes you away from a church you love. Or the dynamics of a small group change and the small group doesn't have the vitality it had before. And your Elijah and your Moses disappears. When that happens, instantly it can feel disappointing. It can feel like disillusionment. It can feel like, like abandonment. And I want you to understand something. That God has put great leaders in my life, but every single leader that's been in my life has disappointed me in some way. You know why? Because they're not Jesus. And, and when you need somebody, when you need somebody to be your leader, and you need someone to help you out, and you need someone, and you're depending on that person, and they disappear... What you have left is Jesus. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. I know loss, whether it's temporary or permanently, is painful, and I don't want to belittle that. I just want you to know this, is if the people who were with you on the mountain aren't with you anymore, you still have Jesus. And that is the treasure. That is the beauty that is what he wants us to have most of all. So we go to verse nine and we see this. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he goes on and says, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the son of man had risen from the dead. That's simply his sovereign plan. God has a timing and there's an obedience factor there, but the part I want you to notice here for our talk this morning is the beginning of verse nine, as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus didn't let them stay on the mountain. He didn't let them stay at the high place. He didn't let them stay at the place where he was transformed, the place where he was revealed, the place where Moses and Elijah were. Well, why was that? Why didn't Jesus let them stay in the mountain? Well, I suppose there's a lot of reasons, but I want to go back to 
my hiking trip 20 years ago. And I'm sorry you can't see the picture well, but it'll help somewhat. If we look at that picture again, and you can kind of imagine um, that if you could see the picture clearly, and if you see it later clearly, you'll notice that there's no trees up there. And there's no grass. And there's no fruit. The reason why is because on this particular part of our trip, we had exceeded what is known as a tree line. The reason the Rocky Mountains are known as the Rocky Mountains and not the Grassy Mountains is because they're high. And there's a place where the altitude doesn't allow vegetation. And that's the place we were. And I believe that this can be a metaphor to us of why Jesus calls us off the mountain. Because in the valley is where there's growth. In the valley is where there's fruit. In the valley is a place that we have to live. We can't live on the mountaintop. We have to go down and we have to go through the valley and live in the valley because that's where the fruit is and that's where the truth is and that's where God has us. So it is that Jesus, in the 33 years he lived on this earth, he chose to live 30 of them being a normal person. By and large, he never sinned. So when I say normal, that doesn't mean he sinned. What I mean is this, is Jesus learned how to work a trade and he learned how to be a carpenter. And we know his first, his first miracle was done at a wedding. And we know that Jesus ate meals and traveled and went over to friends' homes and spent time with them. Jesus knew that life happens not on the mountaintops, but down in everyday normal activity. And I want you to know something today. Jesus is gonna take you to the mountaintop and he's gonna transform and he's gonna reveal himself, but he's not gonna let you stay there. You know why? Because there's things to do in the valley. I mean, church can be a mountaintop. If it's, if it's a good church, right? If you're experiencing God at church, but we can't stay in church all week. You know why? Because you guys have jobs. And you, students go to school. And there are, there are leaves to rake at our house. And there's chores to do. And there's obligations and appointments. And there's life. And so a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night youth service is a mountaintop. And Jesus is revealed. And then Jesus says, let's go down to the valley. And here's a great thing about being in the valley. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us, even if we go to the most unknown place, the ends of the earth, which is the place of mystery. And Jesus is with us in our daily activities. Jesus is with us in the normal rhythm of, of the seasons of life. Uh, he's with us on Tuesday mornings and on Thursday afternoons, uh, just as much as he's here with us on a Sunday morning. Just, just we go to the mountaintop, we go back down. 
And, and I want to speak to some of you because some of you are frustrated because you think the Christian life always is supposed to be on the mountaintop. And you're trying to reproduce an experience you had in the past or, or you're, you think God has abandoned you because uh, you're not on the mountaintop again. And, and I just believe the Lord wants you to know that you need to cherish the normal days and understand the ordinary days and understand that God's grace is within the ordinary and the normal. And he, he is with us in the regular duties of life. And in fact, that's the place where the fruit is. The fruit comes within our relationships. The fruit comes in the attitudes that we have at work, the attitudes we have when our kids are frustrating us and how we handle our anger towards our kids, um, how we serve our spouses when we don't feel like getting off the couch. That's where the fruit is. And God is with us, okay? God's with us. I want to pray with you today. Lord, I thank you for the mountaintops. I've been to the mountaintops. I've had great experiences with you I don't deserve. And Lord, I look forward to more of those. I mean, Lord, I know that there's going to be some experiences you have for me this, this coming year and this coming decade that I cannot anticipate and I don't deserve and they're going to reveal who you are and, and my, my view of you and my image of you is going to be transformed in my, before my eyes and I look forward to that and, and I want to be open to that. But God, I realize and, and I ask you just to help me in the in-between times. Help me in the valley. Help me in the ordinary. And God, I pray for those who have had Moses and Elijah disappear in their life. God, that's sudden and it may seem disappointing at first and it may not even be what they would have chosen. But Lord, in the place that is left is you. Jesus, it is you. And Lord, it's your presence, it's your revelation, and it's who you are. So Jesus, I pray that you would take us off the mountain and you would cause those to vanish in our life if it gives us a deeper realization and revelation of who you are. Because we want more of you, Jesus.